Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Good morning, Horizon West Church. Uh, this morning obviously is a little different. Uh, you're there, I'm here. I, I wish you were in the room with me because it's a lot more fun that way, but um, just uh, still blessed that we're able to have this kind of a communication and, and still be able to, to have a service that we can bring uh, to you wherever you are in your homes and different places. Um, I do want to let you know the reason for this, and you may have heard this or we may have said this before, but uh, this allows our key leaders and staff and teams to really um, redirect some energy and time into the transition to Horizon High School. So for instance, this morning, right now, uh, as you're watching this, um, our staff is at Horizon High School learning the campus and, and testing systems and getting familiar with the place that we are moving into together as a church. And so uh, thank you for flexing with us and doing something a little different both this Sunday and next. Um, and in spite of the different format, we are going to be continuing with our I'm In series. And I'm really excited for where the Lord is going to have us today. We're going to be in John chapter 6, and so feel free to open up a Bible there uh, with a roommate, a friend, with your family. Um, Follow along there in John chapter 6. I want to tell you a quick story about um, Nikki and I's first few weeks at First Baptist Church of Orlando. Uh, We had been in Sebring, Florida. We were at a very small church of about 100 people, and uh, when we arrived at First Baptist Orlando in January of 2011, um, I can tell you, and some of you will relate with this, uh, many of you attended our John Young campus, uh, First Baptist Orlando. Some of you know of it or have even been there for something like the, the, the Christmas trees performances. But if you've ever been to the John Young campus of First Baptist Orlando, you know and maybe had the same experience that I had when I arrived. I would walk around and I would just be in awe of how big the buildings were and the parking lot and how beautiful some of the spaces were. And I remember at one point, Nikki turning to me and she said, Chris, look like you belong here. <laughs> you know, the, the, the reality is that, that sometimes we get thrust into situations that are overwhelming, that feel like they're beyond our capacity, where we're like, I don't even know if I belong. And it may be that some of you feel like that, even here at Horizon West Church. Not because of the buildings or not because of the beauty, but, but maybe it's because of past or present failures. Maybe it's because you have a lack of Bible knowledge and you feel like everybody else knows more about the Bible than you do. Or maybe it's your limited resources. You go, man, do I even belong uh, in, in a church environment? And I hope and my prayer for you today is that by the end of this message, that your focus will change from what you lack to what you have We're going to look today at four lessons or takeaways that we can glean from the move of God. Things that we can learn when God moves in power. John chapter 6, follow with me, beginning at verse 1. John 6, verse 1. Now after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples, Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. So lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. 
there are a couple of context clues that jump out in the passage, and I want to pass through these fairly quickly, but we know that this uh, scene is happening, as John describes it, up on the mountain, verse 3. That perhaps is, and maybe most likely is, the Mount of Olives, a place that Jesus regularly withdrew to, both alone to spend time with the Father, and at other times with his disciples. So they're up on the mountains. The other gospel writers, by the way, I should say this, this, other than the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle, the story we're about to see is the only miracle that all, all four gospel writers record. Okay, so just make a mental note of that. The other gospel writers, the context clue they give us is just simply that they were in a desolate place. So they're not anywhere near a Walmart or a McDonald's. That's going to become important in just a minute. In verse 4, we learn that not only were they up on the mountain, but that the timing was at the time of the Passover. So this is about one year after Jesus has first called his disciples to follow him, and it's exactly two years before, uh, um, sorry, one year after he's called the disciples, two years before Jesus is going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. The significance of this, I believe, is that it's happening on Passover, and if you remember anything about Passover, or you know the context of that, the Passover was the moment at which the Israelites put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, and that signified that the angel of death would pass over them, even as the sons of Egypt were being killed. And after the Passover, God began to walk with his people through the wilderness, through desolate places where he would be there provider and their source of life. And so here on another Passover, thousands of years later, Jesus is in another desolate place with the Israelite people, with the Jewish people, and he's going to demonstrate that he is God's provision for them. In fact, later in this same passage, John chapter 6, Jesus will say to them, I am the bread of life. The first lesson or takeaway that we're going to glean from this passage on the move of God is this, that Jesus is looking for faith. I say that because of the exchange between Jesus and Philip, which is pretty unique in the Gospels. Oftentimes when Jesus singles out a disciple to teach a lesson to, it's who? You may know it's usually Peter or Simon Peter, uh, the one who walked on water, the one who pulled his sword out to try to defend Jesus. Jesus has a lot of one-on-one exchanges with Peter in the Gospels, but not a lot of Jesus' individual encounters with the other disciples are, are recorded. But here it is, it's Philip. And notice what happens in verse 6. It says that Jesus asked Philip this question, where are we going to feed these people? He asked the question to test him because Jesus himself knew what he was going to do. The truth is that God will often bring you to a place of uncertainty or even desperation, not because the outcome is in question, but because he wants to give you an opportunity for your faith to grow. And so you go, man, why is it that I lack this resource? Why is it that this relationship is so uncertain? Why is it that I don't know the next step or I don't know what the outcome is? Because in those moments, you have a choice whether to choose unbelief or faith. And so Jesus brings Philip to this point. Philip, what are we going to do now? And he already knows what the outcome is going to be. A few years back, uh, when myself and my family and, and many of you as well left 
First Baptist Orlando's John Young campus and set out to plant Horizon West Church at Sunridge Middle School, we had no idea what the future would hold. But we said, I'm in. I'm going. I'm ready to take this step. And then just 18 months in, we went through what everyone in the world went through when COVID came and things shut down. And we went, man, what do we do now? We're just a a young church and we're kind of just getting our feet under us. And now everything is falling apart and there was uncertainty and there was uh, concern. And and then finally getting back into the flow of things. and, and, And then as our two churches, Oasis Church and Horizon West Church merged, I know there was, for both sides of that equation, there was uncertainty about, man, what does this look like for those of our Oasis members who had met right here in this building for months or in some cases years, and and now things are different, and what does this look like now? And in every one of those points, it's an invitation for us to choose faith, to say, God, I'm going to take the next step, not because I know what the outcome is, but because I know you have the outcome in control. And I believe, church family, that we're on the precipice of another one of those situations where we're getting ready to enter into a brand new high school in a new community that we can have an impact in, in Horizon West. And we don't know exactly what God's going to do, but it's a chance for us to grow our faith, to stretch and say, God, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to say I'm in because I know you're leading and you have the outcome in mind. Here's the question for us to wrestle with. Will we wait for God to make clear what he's going to do or will we take the next step? Will we say I'm in and then simply trust him with the outcome? Go back with me to John chapter 6 and verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Now let me uh, talk about this 200 denarii because we don't have that kind of uh, currency, obviously. Uh, A denarii was simply a day's wage or a day's payment. And Philip's saying 200 days worth of payment wouldn't be enough to feed this massive crowd of 5,000 men, not even to mention the women and the children. There's just no way to do it. In modern terms, what Philip is saying is, God, uh, Jesus, this would cost thousands of dollars. And, And not only would this cost thousands of dollars, but the outcome would be that uh, he says um, it would not even be enough for each one to get a little. So, so in Philip's math, he's going, the price is really high. Uh, the, 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 the result is, is really low. Jesus, I don't know how to make this work. My math doesn't add up here. And the beauty of the story is that we learn that when Jesus is in the equation, the math doesn't work quite the same, does it? Uh, do you remember... Uh, uh, early in the I'm In series, if you were with us at the beginning, and, and we talked about the disciples, and they had been fishing all night, and they caught nothing, and Jesus says, well, well, try it again, go a little further, and Peter's going, Lord, we've already fished all night, we've already put in all this time and energy with no result, but he says, but Jesus, because you've asked me to, we'll let down our nets, and because Jesus is in the, in the boat, because Jesus is in the equation What took all night to get nothing now takes no time to get a miraculous catch of fish so full that it sank two boats to the bottom of the lake. 
Now we see in this passage, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, shows up. He's a friend of Philip's. I think maybe he's trying to kind of bail him out, like, hey, let me help you out here, Philip. He brings to Jesus a small boy with a small lunch. And what's interesting about Andrew, just kind of a side note, but uh, Andrew, whenever he shows up in the Gospels, virtually every single time, what he's doing is he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Just like he does here with the little boy, he brings him to Jesus. It was actually Andrew that introduced Simon Peter, his brother, to Jesus. You have no idea what God can do when you simply invite people to Jesus. That person could be a person who changes the trajectory spiritually of their family. That person could be in, become a pastor or missionary. That person could go into the field of business or, or some other work, and they could, they could change an industry because of their passion for the Lord. You don't understand or know what God can do when you invite people to Jesus. This is what Andrew is always doing. And Andrew, like Philip, offers this kind of humble recognition that he's not really sure how this is going to work out. He says, Jesus, here's a little boy with five loaves and two fish, and he asks this question, but what are they for so many? Translation, what difference can this small contribution make ultimately? Here's the second lesson or takeaway from the move of God. Number two, whatever you have is enough. You might say this morning, I, I don't make six figures. I, I don't have, I, I'm not a wealthy person. So what does my 10% tithe even really matter to this church? Or, or I can't play the guitar, I can't preach, I, I can't run a soundboard. There's probably no place that I could really serve. I don't have much gifting. Or maybe you say, I've only been a Christian for a few months or a few years. How could I ever lead other people? Maybe you're a child or a student. And you say, man, I, I'm just young and, and I'm still growing. I'm still learning. What difference can I make? Let me remind you that it was a young boy who brought his meager resources to Jesus that was the catalyst for a great miracle. God is not waiting for you to grow up. He's not waiting for you to have walked with him for decades. He's not waiting for you to have more money or more time. He says, bring me what you have and what you have is enough. The answer is not ever in what we have. The answer is in whose hands we place what we have. And here's how the math equation works, if you will. Faith in Jesus plus surrender to Jesus equals God-sized results. Let me say that again because I said it quickly. Faith in Jesus plus surrender to Jesus equals God-sized results. You go, but I don't even have a lot of faith. Give him what you've got. I don't really know how to surrender. Do your best. And God will take what you bring to him and he will not just add to it, but he will multiply it as only he can. Go back to the passage again, John chapter 6 and beginning at verse 10. So Jesus said to the disciples, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given Thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when the people had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Do you remember earlier in the passage that Philip shared a concern? 
And, and Philip's concern was, Jesus, the price would be so great and the result would be so little. I don't know how to make that work. And here in the end, Jesus has fed 5,000 men plus women and children without spending a penny. And not only that, but the result is that the people ate, John tells us in quotes, as much as they wanted. In fact, there were leftovers. And no accident that it was exactly 12 baskets full of leftovers. Why? Because all 12 of those disciples who had been working to distribute the food, who themselves were hungry, could now eat until they were satisfied and more. Jesus knows how to care for his people. In fact, lesson number three is this. Jesus is in the business of abundance. There's a story told of a, a little boy who was helping his father uh, for the first time to, to saw wood in their garage. And they would lay the branch out and, and the father was allowing the little boy to practice sawing that piece of wood. And the little boy was working and tirelessly working. And, and, and he said, um, and the father said to the little boy, he said, you're not using all your strength. And so the little boy doubled down and just, just tried harder and, and, and put more effort into it. And the father said, son, you're, you're still not using all of your strength. And so the boy tried even harder. And one more time, the father said, son, you're not yet using all of your strength. And the boy said, dad, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And the father said, son, now you're using all of your strength. The truth is, in our inability or, or reluctance at times to bring our need to Jesus, we fail to access his strength and his abundance. And Jesus is ready to provide. What if God wanted to give you more than just a little strength over temptation? What if he wanted to completely break its stronghold in your life? What if God was ready not just to make your marriage survive another day or two, but to, to thrive and make it something beyond what you could ever imagine? What if God were to bless you financially beyond merely getting out of debt, but to the point where you could give extravagantly to missions and to your local church and to serving the needs of the poor? What if God had a purpose for our church that went beyond just filling the seats or, or growing, but, but it involved planting additional churches around Central Florida, transforming the spiritual landscape of West Orange County and sending people to the mission field in all different parts of the world. What if God wanted to do more? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And don't underestimate those last few words. Paul doesn't say the power of God is, is simply at work in the universe or out there somewhere or that it's just at work among pastors or church planters or missionaries. No, he says it's at work within us, Christians, followers of Jesus, the body of Christ. That passage, Ephesians 3, goes on to say this, and to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The last lesson, the fourth lesson of the move of God is this, that the goal is always the glory of Jesus. Go back one more time with me to John chapter 6 and look at verse 14. So when the people saw this sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. 
I want you to know this morning that the point of every move of God throughout history and into the present day is that people would have a true understanding of who Jesus is. That's the purpose. That's the point. Not simply to fill auditoriums or churches, not, not simply to give God a good reputation, but, but to point people to who Jesus is, that they might be saved. As part of our vision here at Horizon West Church, we talk about three things, becoming good friends, doing good works, and sharing the good news of Jesus. And I want you to know that that good works is not about being saved, because we're not saved by good works, we're saved by grace. And it's not about being seen because we're not trying to make ourselves seen. What we do is we do good work so that it builds a platform upon which Jesus can stand and receive glory. This is exactly the point of Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, which says this. You, follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we prepare in just two weeks to begin Sunday morning services at Horizon High School, as we begin to enter into the Horizon West community in a brand new way, we're going to meet new people. And I couldn't be more excited about that. And each of these people are going to come with a certain religious identity. We're going to meet people who say, well, I'm not religious at all. We're going to meet others who say, I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. Some will say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist. But I dream of the day where because a few hundred people said, yes, I'm in to what God has called us to in Horizon West, that in the coming years, Horizon West would become a place where thousands of people would identify not as agnostic or atheist or Methodist or Baptist, but they would say, I am a worshiper of Jesus. That's who I am. That is what we are about. And as we do the good works God has called us to do, as we say, I'm in, as we trust God in the move that he has for us, that others would see and glorify his son, Jesus. And the ingredients, friends, are simple. In John chapter 6, the ingredients for the move of God was simply a young child with an unimpressive lunch. Would it be that in our day, the ingredients for God to move in Horizon West and West Orange County might be a young church with a few resources and an army of people who say, God, we're in, we're ready. Would you pray with me? Father, I am just so uh, conscious that you want to do more than all that we would ask or imagine. The same God who parted the Red Sea, who who raised the dead, who walked out of his own tomb. God, you are the God who wants to do the greater work. And and God, we're not asking, uh, you know, more in our bank account, more in our driveway, more in our house, more stuff. What we're asking, God, is more of your power at work within us so that we could begin to transform this community, so that we could point people to the one who could save them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.